Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. coast yes yes welcome back mm-hmm. east coast west coast am i right <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so i mean in a way east you coast about the right- beast from the east that's me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean you dodged out right when those you know canadians hit us with those firestorms you know that was pretty crazy ah they did it to us in 1812 and then they did it again <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of wild, too, how New York City essentially became Arrakis for a day. Mm, yeah, it got the Dune filter. It did. It got they, the, I've heard the promotion for Dune 2 has been going crazy. I didn't think it was going to be that insane. But um, <laughs> Integrated marketing. I know, for real. Very immersive, honestly. Um, how was your lake life experience, though? Oh, man, oh, man. For those that don't know, uh, I was recently in Indiana via Chicago. Uh, because I guess you can't just fly into no. where we were going. But I was on a Lake Tippy Canoe for a wedding, uh, which mm. th- this is really one of my first forays into the Midwest. I- I've been to, sh- I went to Chicago as a kid, but yeah, I've never been to Indiana. And yeah. I, uh, all I had for Tippy Canoe was uh, the thing from history class, Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. So, mm. uh, that was uh that was all i knew about it okay and but now now it's it's lake laugh love baby Ooh, okay lake wow. life lake life they really got you mm. well they had an algae bloom so uh, oh oh yeah no yeah. it's so so you just like really emphasize like ew it's a lake <laughs> the, the, my, my coastal elitism really came out actually yeah it's not a good site Oh god. Yeah, I mean lakes lakes are kind of strange in a way. Well, lakes are very beautiful, but mm-hmm. people who are obsessed with lakes and lake life, it's a little concerning. Sorry to all of those of you who listen mm-hmm. that uh yeah, listen those, those, talk are, are... those of you joining us from the Midwest and yeah. that are immediately like fuck both of these people. <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's it's I, my mom is from Sardinia and I'm in, from New Jersey, all right? It's quite literally ocean for both of the well mediterranean mm-hmm. sea and then ocean right but and then we had cedar lakes which are kind of gross but i appreciate i don't know i appreciate a good lake i liked lake george very cool um but it is a little odd when it's mm. just like because it's it's i don't know it's not quite it's not quite the beach but it's yeah i don't know like there's just something about it you know yeah i mean well there's like like there's um <laughs> there are pike there's, in there's the lake. lake there's like you know lakes have i think lakes are mysterious mm. um oceans have like you know that that endless horizon the call of the sea yeah you know, uh green flash uh and stuff and i guess there are sea monsters 
But like lakes, I feel like you know that's where you that's where you get your your creature of the black lagoonses. Uh, your, yeah, you know, lady of the lake and all that. Well, because we know they're full of sturgeon, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. yeah. So you go down deep enough into the into the Great Lakes, and you get giant sturgeon. You have giant prehistoric armored fish. Um, but and that's cool, I guess. And I what whatever you can go. You can go swimming without burning your eyes, you know, cool, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> for me, as a Floridian, yeah. I have an inherent distrust of lakes. I believe I've talked about this before, that I don't trust fresh water. I hmm. want to go in the salt water where it's safe because R alligators, that's right. Alligators and water moccasins mm. and snapping turtles and chiggers and leeches. I don't want anything to do with fresh water. It, 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 it's in you my know, bones, you know, that is that's fair. It's like you've evolved you know, living mm. in Florida to to fear fresh water and only go towards the salt. It's a good thing they don't have saltwater crocodiles yet, because that would be anything's well, on the we, table at this point with Florida. Right. So that's well, why I say we, we yet. Do, but... We do have we do have crocodiles which can go into saltwater uh, or brackish, I should say. Okay, well that's like in between. I mean, they're not like the mm -hmm. Australian ones, right? No. So we're not not yet. Because at this yet. point, we're, I don't know just, what's going to happen. All we need, all we need, as has been proven, <laughs> is we just need a few more irresponsible pet owners yeah. to release some saltwater crocodile <laughs> babies into the Everglades. And I'm going to regret saying that. Gosh, now you're wishing it into existence. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Welcome back to Lake Talk, everyone. Welcome to, um. welcome to Lake Talk. <laughs> Different vibes, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, also, I, I think I, I think I, I saw raw oysters on the menu and just did not, I, I was just very suspicious that far inland. You didn't get them, right? No, I did not. Okay, because I know you got sushi in Montana, so I... I don't know. I did, you made me, you make you know me nervous what? with seafood of where you purchase. I, I also want to, we're spending way too much we, time talking about this. We are, yeah. But, um... Uh, I'm sure I, you know what, I'm going to loop it in in a second. Okay. Um, but I also think I have been in defense of Dave's sushi. And also I think recently on, uh, Instagram, I caught someone's, uh, Instagram story and apparently Dave's sushi did get a bunch of people sick. Ooh. Um, so Dave, step it up. You know, yeah, wow. you gotta bring you gotta bring the people of Bozeman fresh sushi at all costs. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, but I think what we're really talking about is we're yeah. talking about uh, our defense mechanisms. We're talking oh, about nice. how we adapt to the world around us, to the ever changing environment, uh, yeah. so that we are not plucked from our oyster shells and uh, squirted uh, with lemon juice. Wow, that actually was a really nice tie-in, especially as we're surrounded by all of these different types of suits of armor and weapons. It's quite yes. uh, it, it's quite a Haunted Mansion vibe in the Uncanny County Museum armory here, but... Mm -hmm. or, uh, or a little Scooby-Doo. A little sco Ooh, yeah, that's fun. You never know who's going to pop out in the suit of armor. You know, it's a good way to escape your uh, when you're running away. But I, I'm a big fan 
of armor rooms and museums because I know what all of them are and I know well most of them at least the armor suits of armor and oh. I know what all the weapons are because I played way too many strategy kid games as a kid so for today's tour we're going to be talking about different types of arms and armor used throughout the centuries uh, around the world. Uh, this is my own little curation here in the museum of mm -hmm. what we brought. We're going to talk a little bit about how different types of armor functions, how different types of weapons were made and invented and their uses, and also how both of those uh, items or tools, as they essentially are, affirmed each one to existence and why and how they caused the other to become what they are because mm -hmm. defense and if one is to develop a defense a defense there's always going to be some sort of evolution on how that defense can be broken and it just is a cycle and a cycle and a cycle unfortunately tied to warfare which is quite brutal Obviously, yes. I don't know if I have to really say that too many more times. This is you know what I say. What do you say? Armor. I hardly know. <laughs> I knew it. I knew the setup, and I was just like, I went in for it. Fantastic. I think we should just get into it too. You know, get uh -huh. into that suit of armor a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So you have a a childhood interest uh, in, in armor yeah. and things. Is it? <sighs> So, like, what would you, you attribute that to, like, games and things? I think I saw Lord of the Rings at a young age, and it completely shaped my personality for basically mm. 10 years. I think I was never interested in fighting things, necessarily. Like, I don't hmm. know, like, Dragon Ball Z bored me as a That's kid. Well, it's incredibly confusing, to be fair. I mean, I, I, I was fascinated, it, but I did not like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like, I, I think, like, the most violent things on TV were on Toonami. Like, you could, like, you <laughs> fair know. Fair enough. And, like, but then Dragon Ball Z was supposed to be this action-packed show, and it would just be two guys staring at each other from across a desert, and you just listen to their internal monologues for 90% mm, of the episode, and then they fight for, well, you know. yeah. And then, and then it ends, and it's like, tune in next time. <laughs> yep. um, and yeah. And, like, I think, you know what, it, the, the first time I ever thought about, like, swords and, like, I want to like line up all of my toys and have them charge at each other was I think when I saw the Chronicles of Narnia mm, like yeah that, that too like some something about like that one um that one centaur that like just starts charging and <laughs> yeah. then because he's half horse he just starts pulling out more and more swords like oh yeah I was like yeah hell yeah yeah, yeah. man it's basically what Endgame was years ago. That's like the end same game, scene. Endgame wishes <laughs> it was the Chronicles of Narnia. I, I hope not. Yeah, I um, I was. I don't know. I I guess because it's interesting because we've talked about this too. We're both into history, but you, as a child, seem to be very caught up into the paleontology side of that, and I was much. I, I was very much fixated into, like. I was very much into like ancient history and then the sort of cinematic side of that. Like I saw so many, like so many movies that are not great in terms of historical portrayals, but like as a kid shaped a lot of what I was interested in. And then I became fascinated with 
I think the the design of all of the armor and weapons because I wasn't very violent. I'm not, I'm not violent to be fair at all. And what? When I was, yeah, I know. Go figure. <laughs> me, the person who doesn't even like honking their horn at people. Um, <laughs> but it's the thing. Like it's just kind of. It was always like a weird contradiction because it's like no violence is bad, but mm-hmm. man, that fight scene was crazy. This is very odd. Um, should we should we like just assume that at some point one of our our ancestors was a soldier? He, well, I mean, mine. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, no, that's... I mean, so so like you you could so, someone in our lineage survived that. Yeah, makes sense. It's in the DNA, I guess. Probably multiple people. Not I, to, I, not 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 to get weird. Uh, warrior lineage on us. I mean, I'm sure. Mm. I, I I'm not sure how Liver King fits into this, but I feel like <laughs> we're gonna get there. I guess like, because um... like it is like. There definitely seems to be different brands of people that are into weaponry and armory. There's the, it gets hit, weird, yeah. There, there's there's the nerd side of it, which is mostly harmless and I think somewhat maligned because let's face it, they do kind of make it a little a little fun to to make fun of. If you're a little too into swords, you know, all right. I'm glad you have your thing that you're into, uh, you know, but. You know, just does uh, it's someone's got to keep those pawn shops stocked. You know, <laughs> I just think it's neat. I'm not as into swords <laughs> as I was. I was real. I was one of those kids that was like really into it, but not like yeah. not on a like I need to purchase lots of swords because I would when I got into um reading a lot about the materials used to make certain weapons and i would go to the ren fairs and see what they were made out of i could start to spot what was actually worthy of steel or not Mm. and then you have to have and because i'm indecisive (laughs) it's like well it's kind of like what i do with clothes now where it's like well do you really want to buy that cheaper made metal even though it's a replica or do you want to save up and get the one that's made out of you know black and steel and it's really gonna hold up in case you ever need it which is never gonna happen because you have it's just like any sort of weapon there's really no reason to have it but that's a different argument than what we're going to talk about there's the person that wants like uh the historically accurate swords and everything and then they're like with a you know with like the the leather wrapped handle and everything yeah and then there's the person that like wants the like stylized dragon anime hilt you know yeah the the replica versus the real thing kind of argument and and need and i yeah. guess it's a niche for everybody and hey blacksmiths still need to make a living so you know i'm yeah yeah no they do i i actually uh have uh at someone's suggestion have really been considering checking out ren fares as, as a place hey. to make <gasps> friends oh we should go we, we should go to love, one there's one you, near would you, would, you, would you take me to a ren fair oh yeah it'd be fun oh my god let's go to a ren we should fair. do that okay, wow look at this making yeah, plans while we while we look while at we, while look we at do this. our job um but yeah, I mean, there's uh, the, the, everyone's got a a version of a History Channel show, I'm sure, uh, for 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 making these and is interested in, in the process and and the heritage of making those things. I yeah, think then there's it's a, li- a little bit more of a macho like 300 vibe, <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah, that, that you could get into. But I mean, if we're being honest, like a lot of the stuff is really interesting because. Um, at least for a long time in history, it does seem that, uh, you do really feel the design and, and cultures come through Mm -hmm. the weaponry. Like, there's a lot of things that, 
uh and and i i in whatever way that this could be misconstrued as uh you know some uh weird warrior culture thing like just just no i'm not i'm not suggesting that but uh uh what what i think's more interesting is that if you move away from modern uh modern weaponry you do really get so much more of a sense that like each culture had like some specific design and aesthetic yeah. some sort of uh aesthetic theory to what it was as well as practical to yes. how it how it considered weaponry like sort of in the way that like hmm we've got so many people studying to be architects right and yeah yet all buildings look the same mm. what, what, conspiracy you know what? I, you know what? I, I'm just saying. What are they actually learning in in architecture school? Um, I, well, I, I when I looked I into it, because I almost became an architect major, uh, you essentially uh-huh. have to figure out how buildings function, and you know how the design, how how to be your own individual designer, only to then work under a design firm with hundreds of other architect students for essentially the rest of your life, because most famous architects are not going to leave their position anytime soon. I believe that's the plot of Atlas Shrugged. Huh. Yeah, I guess maybe. Or, or I don't least, know. Or at least, at least the wait, subtext is, are, are, of it. Wait, isn't that... Are you thinking the Fountainhead? Isn't that the one with the architect? I'm thinking of the Fountainhead. Why do I know? I that's even, right. <laughs> I'm thinking of the Fountainhead. All good. It's Anne Rand. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. But okay, but, but uh, there's yeah. a, like native architecture. The concept that, you know, we used to build things with a certain purpose yeah uh but then technology kind of on the one hand freed us from those constraints uh but then kind of left to you with no direction as to how to build things so well, yeah it's yeah like the yeah I, i'm i'm very curious to kind of hear more about this and mm-hmm. and to also talk about it from from a uh, kind of a, a design and artistic perspective as well. Oh as yeah, well, yes, absolutely. And I'm excited to get to that point too because that I mean, there's point. that point. Yes, <laughs> literally. Um, yeah, that's going to actually be important just, later Joe, on. Can, but... Joe, can you just get to the point? All right, take it easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me too because armor from all over the world is all linked. Ob- <laughs> nah, uh, can't stop over here. It's all you know quite li- pun intended linked to one thing which is to stop from getting stabbed or beaten to death it's literally a layer of protection yeah it's the, yeah. it has a base it, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's basically a base function right in any case which i think mm-hmm. is already interesting especially given how old most armors go back towards mm-hmm. and that things tend to not really um change that much but even across mm-hmm. cultures it's all relatively similar in terms of how mm-hmm. things are done. But as you said, each one has their own aesthetics. The forms come out, and depending on how one's military tactics are engaged, it also mm-hmm. addresses the armor usage and the weapons usage, like the Romans, for instance, or even the Greeks, where you have a more um, collective foundation for fighting. So your mm-hmm. shields and weaponry are going to be based on the ability to move as a unit and not as a singular uh, fighting force like one in plate armor, for instance, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just I kind of wanted to go through some of the more in the beginning of this, at least some of the base 
armors that we see. And these ones in particular that we have on display are from our more European-centered sections. Although I should make it clear that, you know, we're going to be starting with chainmail here because it's the most basic. But chainmail also exists like once, you know, in, the, in that 800s, a little earlier time period onward across cultures. It ends up in the Middle East. It ends up East um, every now and then. And then the Eastern armors change, which I'll talk about a little later. But it's a pretty basic concept and it's used where people have metal and essentially what chainmail is it's interlaced metal rings that form a heavy cloth or clothing item uh that's used for protection it's mostly famous for being in the middle ages one because it's cheap and it did its job okay um and here i am using it to clean my cast iron hey i mean it works man (laughs) but it's it's interesting though because it's a you know the thing with armor in terms of a function is you always have to sacrifice just like a game, I guess, you know, mobility for protection, right? Mm -hmm. You want more protection. You're slower. It's heavier. It's going to be more of a miserable experience. You want less protection. It's going to be faster. You can move better. You know, you have to sacrifice. You can't have your cake and eat it too, essentially. So chain mail is always used in combination with other armors, at least the more European side, or just in general, but it allowed for one to layer different pieces on top. It helped with really where it, it's it's its strength comes through is to stop slashing attacks. It's really right. hard to cut through chainmail, like on a if you're using a broadsword, a longsword, for instance, you, and mm-hmm. you slash somebody, it's going to help stop that impact. Depending on how strong you are, I, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. It also will help mitigate a little bit of damage if you were to be hit by a hammer or a mace. Mm. Not not by much, but it'll help yeah. to not be stabbed, but it you'll do- still break does- a rib. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it's good for the blunt. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Um well, I mean, it'll help slightly, but not uh it's not very cushioned. However, that's when then oh, it also is a little bit better for helping with piercing swords too, unless you hit the mm-hmm. right spots. Um but then there's also the use of a brigandine armor. That's the very generalized term for armor that is essentially padded. It's a good example of this is like what Jon Snow wears in the Battle of the Bastards, where it's like a tunic mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's not fully made out of leather. It would be made out of more of like a wool and cotton as well yeah, as some chain yeah. mail and any material you can get. It's a really heavy padded vest. I like to mm-hmm. think of it as like, Zam, when you layer up to go outside in the winter when you had like multiple jackets on it's kind of like that you know where Mm -hmm. it's like you're just you're wearing multiple different items to help mitigate some protection but that you can also move around in and it's more comfortable it's it's a a flak jacket basically yeah actually that's a really good way to put it and this this would help with protecting from um you know being hit by like a mace or a hammer again not by much but you can probably get up um you know same thing with slashing attacks stabbing on the other hand uh, it's debatable but you Mm -hmm. know these this is essentially a more um universal alternative for protection and you know 800s onward this is seen pretty much all over the place with different names and different techniques it's again it's it's just padded clothing to help mitigate being stabbed or hit and right you know that's pretty common all over mm-hmm. but then we get and, and i mean obviously what we have on display here of course is in the european context i should be mindful of that and say that too mm-hmm. for full disclosure but mm-hmm. 
especially as we move to plate armor. Now, mm. we have multiple, multiple different versions of plate armor here, from full knight suits to super enam... Uh, um, uh, dot, dot, dot. Um, why am I... Is it enameled? When you Engraved? Thank you, yes. And, you know, super engraved and crazy artistically done um, Renaissance suits of armor here, too, which would be more for decoration. And then we also have different single plates and some Kevlar plates, all kinds of plates throughout history, mm. right? It's a very... It's a it's a pretty standard idea, right? Plate yeah, armor yeah. is used all over. You have it from, you know, mm -hmm. the breastplates of the Romans and the and the Greeks as well as then moving into the full tank armor that is the universal image of a knight. But mm -hmm. um, you know, you had the original ones again made out of bronze or not original, these are all over the place. Plate armor can also be used in combination with chainmail and we saw this with a uh, Caesarian cavalry which they would blend chain and scale with um, a single plate to help for protection, especially while on horseback. The Romans layered theirs, their plate armor for better mobility. That's where you get that kind of like terraced look on the shoulder pads. Um, even Japanese and Chinese armors had plate to a certain extent, just different materials. But then you get the very you know infamous plate armor from the medieval times onward into like the 1400s or so, where it's a full suit of steel plates. Mm -hmm. And that's designed to cover, you know, head to toe, where you have your helmet, legs, torso, arms, every single part is multiple different plates linked in. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, if you haven't seen it, and we're looking at it here, essentially, you can't just put on a full piece of iron. They have to be linked in some way. Otherwise, you'll never be able to move. You'd be like a statue. So mm -hmm. it's almost impenetrable plate armor, mm -hmm. that is. But there is chinks in the armor, right? There has to be for the sake right. of movement. Yeah. And underneath of that, though, there would still be all of those other armors that I mentioned. You'd have layers of chainmail thrown in there and that brigandine armor or quilted armor, anything to help pad what you have going on underneath to make sure that if you do get revealed that it'll help the impact. And also, uh, because wearing steel under just like a tunic is probably not or over a tunic is probably not the most comfortable thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm totally seeing, like, the, the, the trade-off, the benefits yeah. and everything. You know, it does kind of make your joints a target, um, so you'd want well, as much of yes. that stuff as possible. It doesn't sound that comfortable, and I'm, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm picturing, like, uh, you know, a, a ch yeah, a child, like, bundled up in, like, snow, <laughs> in snow gear like kind of yeah just like kind of having to waddle it's kind of amazing that people like had to go fight in this stuff it like almost makes it seem like it would be kind of awkward for them to fight but also i guess if you were if you were trained to do this it you know it yeah. it would it would just be a part of a part of uh that uh the the job yeah and i mean like it's a good actually a really good example of this visually was the um the in the movie the king with timothy chalamet when he mm. fights I, f I forget who he's fighting but there's like a few fights that happen and they're almost like wrestling at the end of it because the armor's just so heavy yeah and yeah. that is like a pretty good depiction of i you know what wearing all this heavy armor would look like also when you see these like there's like a bizarre subculture of people who go it's essentially boxing 
but like with mm-hmm. with weapons and armor <laughs> and it's just like a sport i guess that people do and i guess they mm-hmm. get concussions and that happens now but you know you're just watching all these people hunker around with massive armor i guess you know a bunch of nerds who are really into it but maybe you know, it would be, maybe it would be like if we made firefighters like fight each other <laughs> yeah like, kind of yeah <laughs> it, it, well because again it's like it's the role of plain armor is to put somebody or multiple people in full protection to take the brute force of an enemy attack or an opponent, let's say. So mm-hmm. it's harder to, you're, you're harder to hit. You can do more damage. The downside is you can't really move all that well and you can't really see, but it works. Right. But I guess, are, are they fighting other people in the plate armor? Are they fighting, mm-hmm. like, are, are they trying to. Like, would would you like be? Would you be infantry? Would you be on? Would you have to go in on horseback just to move quickly enough? Usually, uh, you like what? What yeah. even happen? What happens if they just knock you over? Like, you fall you down just, and you try you to just, get back up. Yeah, it's heavy. That seems like I'm, an issue for uh, with with all with the way it's sounding. It sounds like it would be very difficult to get back up if you've been knocked. Well, over. I mean, I guess to be fair, you had to be pretty strong. Like, cause I mean, yeah, a full suit from what I've researched and I could be wrong, but it's about 35 to 55 pounds kind of, you know, uh, evenly distributed as best as possible, depending on the the craftsmanship. So not terrible if you're in good shape, if you're in bad shape, probably very heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think, you know, you're training how to fight in this type of armor. And again, there's multiple different plate armors throughout history and throughout different cultures and you know, the Japanese plate armor is going to be much different, much lighter than, you know, um, medieval steel in like England, let's say. But in the English context or in the, the European context of a brutal combat, which was just kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like if you ever look at how medieval fighting was, it's really all about just impact. So, mm. you know, really when you put a full armored knight on horseback, with a mace or a sword or anything sharp yeah and they just charge into somebody you know you're going down basically so that's Uh that's kind of the the point they put them in where it's like these just tanks and then if you're on the ground it's a lot easier to fight against other people because we should also keep in mind that plate armor was incredibly expensive so in early days you know 800s to the thousands early thousands like to 1100s most of your infantry is made up of people wearing chain mail or brigandine armor that's like very Mm -hmm. common that's what people can afford because your armies because of feudalism aren't based in like a professionalism it's more people being called upon and it's a little haphazard and whatnot until things get organized you you call you call your banners you know the the people yeah and not everyone you know because a lot of people i think and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you would have a lot of your infantry are people with like pikes and shields rather than, um, you know, they, they just, they're, they're fighting, they're fighting behind a giant shield wielding a spear. Yeah. And the, the people going in with the swords, uh, are the people that are, more likely you know going going to need the armor because they have to move or they they can't walk around with the shield 
uh, um, is that yeah. is, is that kind of the the idea? Kind of. Well, like, but yeah, because pikes and 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 how well halberds come later, but like pikes and spears are essentially your go-to weapons for infantry in many cultures, and specifically in Europe too, because it's the way to control lines. It's it's mm-hmm. it's the most efficient way to move forward, right? That it stops yeah. being in advance and it evens things out. You know, just like with the Romans, where you have the javelin or the the spear being your main weapon, and then the sh- the gladius being the short sword but the, on the, the hip. Gla- the, yeah, the gladius was kind of a short sword. Did the, like did like the armor like all over the body like in the Middle Ages? Like, did that come from swords being made longer from like people you know making things out of steel? At a better quality steel. So the reason you get like a longer sword is because. In order to really get through armor and this type of like mm-hmm. chainmail and plate, you needed to be able to pierce specific parts. So it changed the mm-hmm. dynamic of how you had to target somebody. And the best place to do this, as I learned on the History Channel at a young age, I don't know what I was supposed mm-hmm. to do with this information, but it was given <laughs> to me and I haven't let it go, is under the armpit, if you strike straight through with a sharp object or a sharp sword, it'll immediately like kill you, basically, because it hits that specific oh, artery. Okay, it's very yeah, brutal, yeah. but that's one of those points that when you're in combat, people aim for. Skilled soldiers, that is. Yeah, but it's always depicted, and maybe this is incorrect, but I I, I feel like I always see, uh, like, like Romans are like, they're like wearing a, a polo with a breastplate. Like they're, <laughs> well, yeah, they're they're not they're not like armored on their arms. No, really. but remember that they use massive shields. Yes, so they're yeah. they don't need it. They don't. It's again. It's this. It's this pro and con of yeah, defense they're, they're, over they're going, organization. They're going to war in sandals. Yeah. Hey, it worked. I mean, it's. But it's the same thing with like hoplites, right? Big shields, big right. spear, small sword, because gotcha. you hit from a distance, so you nobody's mm-hmm. going to touch you. The only thing that's going to maybe hit you is an arrow, so you have to be careful. Oh yeah. But it's, I mean, that's it's, that, that's the that's the thing about sandals too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of lake life, you know, a lot of people <laughs> wearing flip flops. It always sounds like there's an octopus following you. <laughs> And you're like, that's so weird. We're on the lake. <laughs> what is that? It's it's one of those lake monsters with suction <laughs> yes. cups. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, that's what the Romans sound like as they're approaching. I imagine um, so, but yeah, but yeah. So that's like actually because of the plate armor, we get different types of weapons that start to show up in the Renaissance. Because if you you know notice, and especially in some of the Shakespearean plays later on, other things. Oh, swords go from being flat blades, like the long sword, you know, the pretty mm-hmm. standard depiction of what we see as a medieval That's sword. That's the long one. Right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> to a rapier or an S-talk, which is a lot mm-hmm. thinner, but pointier. And it's able right. to be more precise. Yeah. And again, okay. I sh- and, and again, it's important too, like, there's different types of warfare, and I'm being very generic for reasons, mm. just so we can keep things in you know an orderly fashion and time wise. But you know when you're when you're going up against like, these like massive armies, you're still going to always have infantry with spears because they're more yeah. versatile. They can deflect cavalry, they can deflect uh, other attacks, and you're going to have your archers always prioritized. You just mm-hmm. need sidearms. You need it's like the 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 sword, even for like the Romans with the gladius, is. Like the sh- it's the hand pistol, you know, it's something to be mm-hmm. able to pull out just in case if you need it. Whereas yeah. later, it's becoming more efficient to have um, these pointier weapons, 
that can be mm-hmm. on the hip or they can be massive that you mm-hmm. can stab specific areas of armor that then can be pierced. The other thing too, which got popularized and it's important to note their use is like a claymore or a Zweihandler, for instance, right? Big, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically ice from Game of Thrones, right? Big swords, what? which, ha, you know, in a fantastical way, it's like, oh, but the big knight uses the big sword. Well, the claymores or, you know, these two-handed swords or a bastard sword, really their use mainly, depending on mm-hmm. what, the type of combat, is to be able to deflect pikes and spears when mm. you're moving forward. So imagine yeah. if, you had, if you had somebody in plate armor or at least a few sheets of plate armor and was wielding this this two-handed weapon, they could actually use it, like, you know, in, in some of these, um, in the Claymore, as well as the Spy Handler, there's, like, a spot on top that you can grab, and there's a little bit of a hook on it. And I'm, it's not oh, actually one of those. That's what that's for. That's what that's for. It's to hook over the spear, because you would spin it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and this, I, is I, ma- this is making more sense. Yeah, and, and that's not, tech. it's, the Claymore doesn't have that. There's it's, It has a specific name. I think it's a Scottish one. I'm blanking on it. So email us mm-hmm. at uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. But um, that, it's not really used for cutting. It's not used for stabbing. It's used for deflecting. And it's mm-hmm. because it's that sword momentum and because of the weight distribution from the hilt to the point, you can really get that to be able to deflect spears away from your um, front mm-hmm. lines. So it's just right. a way to break those down because otherwise it's just, you know, you're kind of stuck. So again, it's like yeah. these things that get a little popularized and changed, but, you know, they do have their uses. Yeah, but and, I, I feel like the, the, the crazy thing about this is there's all of these centuries of developing yeah. all of these. And then I feel like once gunpowder enters the mix, yes. it all becomes very irrelevant very quickly. Well, yeah, okay. So that, that kind of jumps us forward a bit too because that's the thing that's very interesting to me is that, again, like I said earlier, armor always responds to the types of weapons or weapons always respond to the type of armor, right? There has to be Mm -hmm. a point of like, how are we going to develop things to um, respond to this type of weaponry? Or how are we going to develop a weapon that can break through armor? It's like, as I always connect things back to Dune, it's why in Dune, they have the shields. You can't use guns because if you use a gun against the shield, it creates basically an atomic bomb. So you have to use a knife to pierce through the armor, right? It creates mm-hmm. a balance. The crossbow technically comes before the gun and was able to pierce plates, yes. which yeah. provided a problem. And it's why plate armor became more, it, it became less used because people were starting to realize it's better to be faster and mobile, or this is my more my theory, so speculating, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not as advantageous to be slowed down by armor on the ground than it is to be a little less armored and be able to move a bit better or to be prioritizing your your archery or, you know, later cannon fire and whatnot. Yeah. But it became a very a very wealthy hobby to have nice armor or for the nobility mm-hmm. to show off the gilded armor that was, you know, engraved and made of gold. And that's what we see in a lot of museums because they are literally works of art, right? That there's just all yeah. of this, this beautiful craftsmanship that went into it. And mm-hmm. that is it as cool as it would be. It, none of it really sees combat unless they're from a distance because mm-hmm. it's, not very practical especially towards like renaissance time where like imagine it's like putting on your best fit to get out there and just kind of 
you know, smack each other well, around for a little bit. Well, if if I can bring in uh, yes, please. Some, some of my own knowledge into this, I do think there is also, there's such a tradition of the, the performance of combat, especially in, in sort of a yeah. machismo-type culture yeah. uh, all over the world. Um, but if we think about Italy... Uh, yeah. And we think about a lot of those uh, those uh, Renaissance fashions, um, you know, for, first of all, the way that they would fight wars with each other, even though, yes, people did, depending on which war it was and with who, people would die. But there were also like a lot of battles where hardly mm-hmm. anyone and sometimes no one died because <laughs> yeah. it was more just about the show of it, the performance of it. Um, a lot of like those those blousey pants with the um, the holes in the sides of them that we think of in the Renaissance. A lot of that was kind of. Uh, fat that that was like uh, you know a jeans with holes in it that yeah, was like yeah you know it was supposed to make it look like your pants you know had been tattered up in a sword fight even kind of into modern times it was very fashionable for um male students studying in um uh the german states to uh, give each other deliberately give each other dueling scars uh hmm. you know you would really try to like kind of give yourselves like um uh the, 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 what's his name from naruto with the uh oh the, the teacher yeah. i know who you're talking about and i i don't i didn't watch naruto but sensei i don't remember his name um but you know it the the idea of like a cute scar across your nose or on your cheek like right. that was like you know that was supposed to make the girls like you uh when you went to university and you know there's there's the glorification of of violence and everything but also there was something about a, a show of it um mm. a, a fashion to it and you know those those crazy designs etched into the plate armor a lot of that technology honestly went on to help develop intaglio printmaking. You know, huh. the, the, the ability to etch acid into metal. That um, It wasn't long for them to figure out that that could be used uh, in printmaking to, to etch into copper plates. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's... Um, it, it does factor into a lot of other cultural things. And... I've I've even heard like sort of in in the in uh the Japan theater of of like you know mm-hmm. the the ideas of warfare and things there was that period of time where a lot of where I think like everyone's swords got confiscated uh by uh, the shogunate yes and so just the the sort of legend of the swordsman who still had his one super sharp katana or whatever mm. like that was sort of part of the legend was just because oh wow there's there's someone with a weapon there's someone yeah. with a with steel you know yeah yeah i mean that that's it's it's all it it all works into the the mythos of of whatever culture uh is it, it's taking yeah. place in and 
And it's also off. It's like fashion. A lot of fashion comes yeah, out of this too. Exactly. Like, and, oh, and that's yeah. across cultures, right? Like it influences based on geography, based on cultural customs, and also based mm-hmm. on purpose and use. It's like yes. kind of what workwear is happening right now, you know? Like, which I think is kind of <laughs> a funny yeah. comparison too. But you know, like it was like the thing when I remember watching a documentary about the um, uh, the Peloponnesian Wars. And and it was you know based based on the the Spartans versus the Persians and you know that and and I guess the Athenians as well. Basically, going into more detail than three hundred, the most kind of ridiculous movie ever did. But it was just interesting based on the the technological differences where you had like the Persians, for instance, developed armor that essentially allowed them to be very. Um, defensive against slashing attacks because most of the combats developed around like a shimitar or that type mm-hmm. of style of swords which you could argue comes from like a kopesh or a sickle or mm-hmm. something that allows more mobility more movement but it's more it's it's not really for stabbing it's for slashing so if you have armor right. that's designed to deflect slashes it's lighter weight it's made more of a reed material more softer um, but it allows you to be more flexible whereas with you know your greeks you have spears which are piercing and it yeah. affects it differently and then they have plate armor which is bronze so you can still kind of pierce through it it's not the best obviously it's mm-hmm. you know a weaker metal and same with their uh, weapons but it's a different advantage so when you have like two conflicting forces going up against each other especially this early on in history i always find that interesting on like how things change very drastically like what right. changes the direction like for instance even with um the crusades and you have you know the the crusading knights going up against like mm-hmm. Saladin and the difference even though there's like a there is a similar use of metal and material right that it's not like oh well Saladin's army was using different they were they weren't in chainmail in this they were in this type of armor and that's why they had the advantage in the desert and it's like now they just knew the desert better than the knights who came in in full plate armor and died because of heat stroke which who knew but you know it's like thinking about strategy and how how to go up against different 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 um weaponry what's the pros and what's the cons what's the advantage and the disadvantage right it's the same thing of why in the east you get a different type of armor which i hadn't mentioned yet but want to which is lamellar armors which essentially it's armor similar to plate but it's constructed out of multiple little plates woven together to create a more like scale effect which mm. is very useful to create mo- like a mobile cuirass right okay. this is basically yeah. what samurai armor looks like or like the more basic version or chinese armor from like the like a good um the 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 statues the clay statues forget their name oh, do you know what i'm talking about soldiers. terracotta exactly that armor it's a very okay. that's a very uh, a specific version of it. Okay, this, so that, that's Qin Dynasty. Yeah, exactly. But then this also actually goes back towards like ancient Assyria. You have oh, that wow. type of armor made. It's just a different. It's a different creative approach to defending oneself, and it worked yeah. really well. It's like early chainmail, and it was way more effective. Um, mm-hmm. But then you could also combine that armor. So like in Mongolia, you get a lot of the use of like padded curses and then this type of armor on top or underneath. So that way you're getting a combination of the two. Um, you know, you also have the Rus using that as well. The Koreans, early Koreans, as well as like samurai armor in Japan. It's, it's used all over and more of an Eastern mobility. And I'm sure there's 
more specific reasons for that based on if it's a Siri and whatnot. But again, it's mm-hmm. like there's different strategies on how one layers these things. And if it's about looks and fashion or if it's about practicality and movement, but then different weaponry is made in response. And that's when, you know, if a sword doesn't work, you smash it with a hammer, which is essentially, you know, the re- mm-hmm. like, like one of the things I thought was really interesting upon doing research for this is like the reason lances exist, you know, from jousting mm-hmm. is because they're really good at like piercing armor because somebody mm-hmm. figured out that if you run at something with a point at just enough force and hit it, it'll go right through. And it right. and it works. All, like, the, all the all the force is concentrated into one point. Exactly. I mean, all I know is that uh, I'm sure Steven Seagal has uh, has a method to deflect all of these things. <laughs> yeah. He, oh man. Yeah. yeah. I, but it, it's it's kind of crazy. Like even with blunt impact. Like that's why in the 1400s, as an example, and I'm sure a little earlier, you're starting to get the use of maces, hammers. Uh, lances, halberds, like things that are able mm-hmm. to do way more damage against plate armor, which is why we start to see it become less and less effective and used. And then there's the you know mention of gunpowder, which changes mm-hmm. things. I mean, I guess it depends. Like, it didn't really affect the samurai too much. They still just, but that's right. it's a cultural I, well, thing too, did, though. Did, so it's different. It, it, it must have affected uh, Chinese armor and and outfits, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. Uh, but I mean, yeah. but look, look at look at how much military uniforms change between the start and end of World War One. Oh I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, just the way the helmets changed, and you know it. You know they had to go from uh, you know, uh, you know, being able to help deflect uh, a sword. Yeah. To okay, now we just are putting you know. Uh, pie tins on everyone's head yeah. because maybe you can survive the the flying chunks of metal and shrapnel, you know, going yeah. everywhere. I would. I, I mean that it, it's like the, I I think there's like all those stories that are like you know they start giving um they start you know handing out these metal helmets and suddenly mm-hmm. there's an increase in soldiers with head injuries but really it was just people surviving things for the yeah. first time yeah and them having them having people that didn't just die immediately uh, yeah well that's the thing too it's like it's like um kevlar armor right like modern day body right. armor it's that yes it will stop the bullet but it's not gonna stop you from breaking ribs you know mm-hmm. like there's always a there's always going to be a consequence to stopping mm-hmm. you know a a very fast stopping paced force. object yeah it's physics right like there's going to be some sort of consequence um to it mm-hmm. but you might not die and that's the point it's to l- yeah. mitigate the damage i also might mm-hmm. the fun observation i've always made and i could be dead wrong about this but mm-hmm. i've just noticed that you know with the english world war 1 helmets being that kind of flat like brim like hat look you yeah. know that those helmets just existed in just the english army since like the medieval times mm, yeah it's just a fun observation i made don't know if it's actually linked or not could be a coincidence used in cinema but we've seen them in museums so i just think it's interesting, interesting. that they kept that for so long and then yeah. they did that weird jungle helmet thing and that was a mistake i don't get that wait one. wait when well, I guess. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the, the the uh the walnut shell the helmet, the pith helmet. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that was that was a look, I guess, a very uh, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume, you know, type <laughs> yeah. era. Yeah, um, very imperialist. I mean, yeah, I was in, uh, I, I was, like I said, I was in the Midwest. I went to uh, the Art Institute in Chicago. Very cute. And very uh, cute. they actually have a very interesting European arm armor uh, and weapons oh, nice. exhibition up now. I did Ooh. go there in, ahead of this um, to do some reconnaissance. I also have to say, like, because um, obviously there's the hall of the suits of armor and everything and the axes and the swords, all of that, you know, that you'd expect. Then they have a room of like a lot of early firearms. And it's kind of <sighs> insane yeah. looking at how uh, detailed what what works of art. They oh, yeah. Are. And I mean, it's it's kind of hard to imagine the justification for something like that. Cause also a lot of them only fire one shot, you know, at a time it's, um, yeah. it's kind of crazy to, to look at these things that like have, uh, you know, not, not just engraving and gilding, but like the, in the wooden parts of the gun, there's like precious stone inlay. It's just ridiculous. I mean, and it's like it's like i i i wouldn't i look at this thing it's beautiful but like it just it's made half of it's made of wood and like ivory how does this thing not explode when you shoot it i think they just don't shoot it to be honest with you but or if they I'm, do it's yeah. like a one-time gig well, you know there, there was like one where the stock of the rifle was carved into like the the shape of like the head of a greyhound whoa um, that's crazy and like i understand you know maybe some of this this was like your show your show rifle like yeah. you know when when you went like hunting foxes or whatever or you know you stood on the hill while you're directing your troops and stuff it's just still like um i don't want to get into lost art you know it's a lost art and everything but it it's kind of hard to like look at that and then you turn around and you're like, eh, like uh, the, a lot of these guns are kind of ugly t these days, you know, <laughs> when you're like, yeah, like, well, yeah, like I, I, you know what? I've, I've come around on this. I think we just, we need to stop letting cops design everything to look like Batman gadgets. Huh? Like, I think I, I'm, I'm of the school of thought that. Police violence will go down if we give them sillier uniforms. We give them big feathers in their hats. They have okay. to wear bright. They have to wear bright colors like they're you're the police chief of the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, and people ask you wow. direction. People ask you directions. You stand on the corner and you're you're there to uh you're there to direct traffic at the if the traffic light goes out i think you're you on to something here for sure yeah it's you definitely... know st stop 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 giving them like uh batman gadgets and and let and letting them you know just dress in all black yeah that would definitely help that'll definitely help to stop that a little bit uh yeah well yeah i don't know modern modern day firearms are also kind of crazy like some of them yeah. are just very weird looking and then some of them are like yeah. we've never changed this design in 60 years 
Right. And you know well, what? That's, I guess that, it works. That, that, that's, works like, but... that's like getting into like AK forty seven territory, right? Like if it works, just... it works. I mean, the, yeah. the AK forty seven is a weird. I also know. Okay, here's the thing. I and maybe I like shouldn't say this, but like mm-hmm. I just know a weird amount about guns because mm-hmm. all I had to watch as a kid was the History Channel, and they had that gun <laughs> show that was on there, which I forget what it was called. But they basically was a family that ran like a. They like just made guns, which I'm sure they're all insane. But at the time, it was pre twenty sixteen, so you know, different. Right. Um, well, these, these just and, used to be harmless kooks, you know. Well, yeah, uh, it was just like, but that's the thing. They just they just made like custom made guns for people, and at the oh, time, you know, you're just like, whoa, this look, is like, I mean, the physics are nuts. But now I'm just right. like, yeah, this is a problem. Look, if you if you told me like, let's take a tour of the Beretta factory, sure. I mean, it's fascinating. You know? and I'm terrifying. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the you know say what you want about their 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 military conquests in the last mm, 150 years but you know the the italians i'm sure make a make make a beautiful gun maybe they're still maybe they're the ones still doing the inlay and stuff people do uh, it it does exist yeah. i should say yeah. like the inlays exist i just it's kind of like a why um but yeah, I don't no, know. I mean, it, it's a we- it's a weirder move to make now, I guess, in this political climate. It uh, is, yeah. I mean, <sighs> I feel like anyone who's decorating their guns, it's like just with like really bad. Uh, it's just with like logos and bad art and like Punisher ripoff skulls. Well, well, like on the on Call of Duty before, you know, you could you could customize your gun, and that was like the big thing when you played the game mm-hmm. was to see what kind of like custom camo you could put on it, or what kind of insane logo, and it got very bad mm-hmm. very fast, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah oh, people, you, you don't say, oh, yeah, people do that in real life. It's just a little, it's kind of cringe, you know. I forget who like, I was yeah. with. Someone was trying to remember the name Beretta, and. uh and said bruschetta but i still knew what they were talking about <laughs> yes the italian the italian pistol the bruschetta that's the Ita- amazing the, the, the wow <laughs> oh my god that's um, so good but um, i know um it's no i mean it's, yeah. it's very it's all very it's all very interesting and there's i i, I always want to appreciate you know yeah the, the the craftsmanship of something and and understanding that you know there's there's perfectly sane gun owners out there i'm i don't think either of mm-hmm. us are 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 full gun abolitionists uh, no you know? no i mean but, it, but it's just like you know like if i if i wanted i've 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 had an itch to like maybe go like upland bird hunting one day and just like oh. huh. I like I I wanna I love I love birds I would and but like I've said duck is delicious mm-hmm. uh you know like I feel like I want like a gun with some wood on it I don't like I don't like want to go out with like some some like AR knockoff like to go to go to go hunting I want like I want something with a little touch of nature a little touch of artistry in it here's the thing I'm not a hunter but um mm. you don't People who say they hunt with AR-15s are either insane or don't know what they're talking about because you don't mm. do that. Like, right. I always find that kind of bizarre when people are like, what is my hunting gun? It's like, no, what are you trying to do? Like, it doesn't make sense because oh, yeah, no. they're I not mean, designed I, for that. I it mean, just... I, I've, I've definitely made a watermelon explode with an AR. Yeah? Wait, yeah. have you gotten a gun range? Uh, no, I <laughs> I was not at a gun range. I was oh, on, uh, no. mm. I, the one time I have gone shooting. <laughs> The one time I've gone shooting uh, was uh, on uh, this guy's ranch in Montana. 
uh, I was with a bunch of Australians and um, they were like, do you want to go shooting? Because, you know, Australians don't have guns. So right. they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Uh, and, you know, they're like, we're it's it's a fun day. We're making, you know, just just fruit go boom. You know? Right. And like we were there there was a guy there this guy henry who's actually a, a he, he's actually a fossil prep guy he's, he's oh, okay very, he's very cool he's i definitely trusted him because he knew like actually how to like do safe firearm instruction and everything ex-military all that and like mm. okay i'm i'm not just surrounded by nuts yeah you know, no, i, I trust sure. i trust i trusted henry uh and you know the whole thing went pretty well and they're like here's this gun and this was, I don't remember after which, but after some national tragedy. And they're like, that's a knockoff of an AR-15. I'm like, oof. Cool. Uh, it got really quiet really fast. Yeah. You know, the weird thing is when you clean them and you take them apart, yeah. you realize, like, it's actually, like, a very simple mechanism underneath mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. And, like, all all that weird, like, stuff that, like, looks like the detailing on Darth Vader's suit Mm-hmm. you know yeah it's like it's it's not actually like attached to anything it's like just there for the look of it well i guess that's your that's your answer to the inlay part right it's all to just make it look cool i guess but more it complicated look cool. it doesn't uh-huh. look yeah it, it just looks yeah it just looks more complicated than it is it's just yeah like, it's like why why are the why are the surfaces of all those ships in star wars like they got all these nooks and crannies on them i don't understand what any of it's for <laughs> neither do they zan that's the thing um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the <laughs> fascinating thing about all of this, though, too, is that it's like, it's fascinating and it also just makes me think a lot. It's that it's like, I don't know what it is about it that intrigues me, but I guess it's almost the duality that they're made, like, on the one hand, it's humans being incredibly creative and making Mm-hmm. kind of like beautiful design decisions when it comes to these armors and weapons and what you, one wears out into battle and you know there's a lot of culture significance into that there's a lot of purpose there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. and at the end of the day it's all designed to either protect one from dying or to kill someone and that right. goes for our gun conversation as well that it's like these things are complicated weird objects that have a purpose and the purpose is violence and I guess, like, for me, too, even in the museum context, when you displace them from their original spot, they become these, like, very fascinating objects, kind of like, kind of like the gun, the, the, the fragile gun, right? The fragile flintlock that mm. it, it, its purpose is display and the potential to do something, to do damage, but it can't because of what it's made out of, right? I think that, or I can't do it well, I guess. Hmm. it's just interesting like i haven't quite wrapped my head around it you know even when i was younger being so interested and being so interested in the strategy and the reasons and the you know how does one go into warfare it's not necessarily that it's like obsessed with with the combat or the glory or the warrior's way like a lot of people get wrapped up into that that machismo that fashion that starting of fascism right the idea of, of of really hyping up war and battle even though war is obviously terrible and horrific because all of these would have been horrific ways of, oh, of, yes. of hurting someone but the the items to help defend or protect or to attack are just so intricately done like i i, I can never get over the even the 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 um mesoamerican um machu huito 
I believe it's pronounced. Mm. It's the that the like cricket bat looking weapon oh, that's a that war club, thing. and they Jeez, use the bat it's thing. nuts. Yeah. And they use the, I mean, it's so, but they're so beautiful, right? They're made out of, like, they have that obsidian on the sides because obsidian mm-hmm. being so sharp, but it's also, oh, yeah. it can not shatter because of the way it's placed in. Well, but even if it breaks, it's just more sharp edge. Exactly. It's these creative decisions to do more damage, but it's also something to do damage with, yeah. right? I, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you, you look at, like, all the art that, like, every, every culture with shields, like the- yeah everywhere all over the world like papua new guinea you go to south america you go to the mediterranean like all of the that shield design oh yeah uh, all, all of all of those all of that art is so beautiful and so fascinating and it's you know it's uh i mean it's it's such a big part of so many cultures but yeah no it is it is yeah. all about you know war making you know whether it's uh the the zulu or the uh or the aztecs you know it's yeah exactly or uh you know your europeans had decorated uh shields as well it's yeah with crests sometimes you know and oh yeah weird weird flexes yeah do do you have a family crest no i don't think so Mm. i think we tried and they were like oh you're not anglo-saxon ah man i don't know I think I did no. that at a Ren Fair, actually. I mean, <laughs> I, I well, ah, maybe we do because I think I'm technically related to a Baron. It's a whole oh. thing. Yeah, Baron, Baron Cimino. Yeah, literally, there's a Mount, there's a Mount Cimino in Naples. I'm pretty sure outside of Naples. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of wild. I need to figure that out. There's a whole weird history side of my dad's uh, lineage in Italy. Wow, so is, I don't know what that he like, Is he like? Is he like a, a an escaped? prince like he just uh, i mean this is way before he, he, gave, he, gave, time, he gave it he gave it all up my my i mean i don't know it could have been like a great grandparent maybe who knows i mean uh-huh yeah that'd be kind of crazy maybe i could just like i don't know that's got to be the story you know that'll be this mm-hmm. new uncovering through research yeah. or whatnot but also like italian I, italian mm-hmm. lin- like baronhood things like that so bizarre so right yeah well you know it's uh, you know, just just wait a little bit. Maybe they'll be back to that form of government soon enough. <laughs> um, oh, I think so my my grandfather's last name I have heard may mean parsley. So Ooh, I think fun. a parse a parsley leaf would make a good sigil. That would be very cool. Yeah, we are nice. bitter. Ooh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> we are Gosh, fresh I, and bitter. I I I. Ver- <laughs> I'm I'm definitely looking forward to potentially doing like a tour on feudalism at some point and specifically uh-huh. like medieval Europe because man is it weird and just mm-hmm. all of that that came out of it with kingdoms and whatnot and that every fantasy book is essentially now based off of but like mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about that into more details because that also plays a huge part here and then weirdly in Japan as well but oh, um yes. yeah no I mean I, I I guess too with like all of these you know, items being in that museum context, at least we get to walk around and appreciate them that way and not have people wear them at us, which is cool. Yes, that is that is one benefit to living in uh, contemporary times. Uh, I know. Yeah. yeah, we 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 get to, we get to enjoy it all, although it is it. You know, it there's there's a reason why the Romantic era, you know, was so obsessed with this stuff. It does 
it does have a certain thrill to it to look at something that uh that just comes from a time of this is the these these incredibly crafted things that yeah. are made for the most brutal things that human beings I know do to each other. I know it's and that and that's and that's truly it and I think that's also part of how maybe we can understand culturally we get talked into these things no matter where yeah. you're from if there's some allure if there's some heightened uh expression that's wrapped up in it you know that doesn't just have to be you know th there's the nationalistic element to it but also like you know like mm. how could this thing not be glorious it, it from from the perspective of the person you know being talked into it how could it not be glorious if you didn't have yeah. all of these beautiful things made for it you know yeah yeah man visual art once again being used mm -hmm. to do bad things to people are propaganda we the, are are we the baddies are we no. the, are, are are well no because no we, wait, we okay. are we are we are definitely not getting any industrial uh military industrial complex uh money uh as artists no we are no <laughs> no no, 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 no. Um, not we, in that field, and that's I'm fine no. with that. I'm good with that, you know. You, know, but hey, you know that there were so so <laughs> many more job prospects for artists back when we used to engrave our guns. This is true, actually. Hmm. <laughs> wow, I've got. A, we're gonna have to be. I've got. Be I've got. I've got a, got a while, plan. Actually. There's gonna be no more starving artists. <laughs> yeah, guys, this is gonna be crazy. New startup, actually. Um, Actually, wow. no. We get them all to design police uniforms. Mm, we should have a contest. That's what America needs to do. We need to just stop whatever else is going on. Oh my God, no! It's it's a mess. Anyways, thank you, Joe. This uh, yeah, no problem. Th this is a wonderful topic to get to uh, interrogate and look a little deeper into, and. Um, and yeah, no, get get to appreciate the history that uh, uh, goes along with all of these artifacts, and hopefully get us a, a broader perspective on on how to appreciate them from in, in a healthy way. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we could say it that way too, because I do think that's important to bring to be con to have context and to be aware of what you're looking at and what its purpose mm -hmm. is. I think is always important. But, you know, I think it's also just interesting to see how these things developed over time and the answers and solutions to different forms of, you know, uh, armor and its uses and weapons as well. And I think, you know, in the future, too, I hope, we, you know, to specify in on some specific versions of these things and not be too um, Western about it, right, to default mm -hmm. to Europe. But, you know, it's good to start in one place that a lot of us are familiar with and then expand outward to realize that, really human beings all over the world have been developing similar techniques to doing to defending themselves with or making things to attack just different variations of it which i think is really interesting and says a lot about us wow no matter where we're from the heart and the brain are in the same place <laughs> you, you mean they don't switch it's crazy <laughs> i just mean that the, there's there's a few places that yeah. we keep chucking spears at uh yeah and uh yeah I guess people, different people have to figure out ways around that. Mm. But yes, thank you, Joe. This has been uh, 
this uh, uh this has been an interesting uh tour today and i'm glad we got to talk about it yeah same here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well shall we move on i think we shall Okay, okay, we're saying goodbye to the armory. We are, oops, I might have knocked over one oh, boy. of the uh, suits of armor. Oh, All well. right, we'll, we'll figure that out later. We'll, Don't worry we'll, about it. I'll, I'll, I'll fix that later. Anyways, uh, it is time for yes. Stick It or Tickets. Oh, man, am I excited because I actually oh. have some this time. Okay, okay. And I will say they're so weird. <laughs> um, all right. God, I get. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say all the ones I found. Just, just go, go for it. All right, go you ready? It. The first one that I saw that confused me, and this might be a real thing. It was called fish gum. What? Yeah, that's all it said. I'm really confused. Fish I don't... gum. <laughs> fish gum. Yeah. What? Unless what? I'm just read it wrong, but that's what I saw, and I couldn't. I was like, is it a fishing? tool like what is that so if you know please let us know because i'm confused and it hasn't left my mind um the next one that i saw was kind of crazy as well it said post milk generation but it was on cardboard and taped to the back of the car <laughs> just i loved it so much oh my god i just thought that was great what a weird thing to say but also kind of correct um mm-hmm. The next was Duck Life, which has multiple meanings, and I like that. Mm, yeah, that, that works on a couple different levels. It does, well, right? Ma- main, mainly a level right above your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and then uh, the last one was just such a weird thing to read, but I just, I just couldn't wrap my head around why one would put this there, but it said, my retriever is smarter than your honor student, with an exclamation point. And, and I was like... have those? Yeah, and for, uh, yeah. But I was like, huh, well, I guess at retrieving things, maybe, but, like, can they, you know, pass the SATs or, like, you know, mm. like, write an essay? There's, I don't there's know. There's a lot of, hey, there's, a lot that's, of questions there. that's a, there's a lot of ethical questions. You there is, are, yeah. You're, you're keeping a, uh, a sentient creature captive? That's my question. So that's why I yeah. included it, because I have a feeling the person who had that on their cart did not think that through. But yeah. it's fine. So yeah, you can just, you can just like, you 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 have control, life or death control over something with human levels of intelligence. Yeah. You should watch out for that, man. Yeah, exactly. It's concerning. Yeah. And same with the fish gum. So mm. look out for fish gum if that's in stores. Yeah, I can't get over that. That's still my favorite one I've ever found. Oh uh, how about you? What do you have for us? Um, so shockingly in the Midwest, I think because there were not very many other cars, uh, did not, <laughs> did not get to see many gems. Uh, however, there, uh, I was walking down the street, uh, while not in Chicago and walked past this van that every single window was covered in, um, it was like taped with laminated, uh, paper and it was all like what? poems and huh. all sorts of things. Some of it was not in English. I have no idea what this was for, but uh, I was just very, uh, I was very interested in in how this person was using their van. Fascinating. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I guess, um, next up we should go to uncanny recommendations. So things that we are reading, watching, listening to, uh, right now that we would recommend to our listeners out there. 
Cool. Yeah, I actually have a few things to recommend this time. Uh, mm-hmm. The first is I saw a bunch of movies recently, and the first I want to recommend is John Wick 4. Highly recommend. Very well done. <laughs> Choreography is crazy. Talk about violence, but... Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's it's again, it's another thing where you're like, man, this movie's so violent, but like, god, the choreography is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. you know the way they set that up. I also got to see uh Sp- what is it? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I believe. Uh that the new ver- the new animated film that just came out. It's really, really, really good. I don't really like Spider-Man that much, to tell you the truth, but um it's beautifully done. Music's amazing and the animation is definitely revolutionary. So if you could see it in theaters, I definitely recommend it. It was well worth the experience. Um, and lastly, I also watched Tar, finally, because it's on Amazon Prime for free. Mm. That movie's crazy. It's really good. I oh. I liked it. I know it's divisive, and a lot of people didn't like it that much, but I... It, it is one of those movies that really captures the pretentious art teacher and somebody who's chasing after the spirit of something that was once the mainstream and now is not and what it does to you because the character of Lydia Tarr is quite literally like every super successful artist who's like kind of full of themselves and is now teaching but like doesn't want the younger generation to be themselves but in fact carbon copies that's my take at least Mm -hmm. um definitely Zan it reminded me of people we went to like we were in school with (laughs) like teachers so you'll get what I mean when you see it it was kind of yeah it's it's a good I I I really liked it I thought it was really interesting and it's it's long it's a little slow at times but it's I don't know the payoff is well worth it and also the way they recorded the orchestra is amazing it's just so good um (laughs) so those are my movie recommendations in terms of books I'm still reading God Emperor of Dune I only have like 70 pages left so I'm almost done I definitely recommend it it but you know, Children of Dune is very slow, so it's hard to get to this point, but I think God Emperor makes it well worth it. It's just a very interesting book and so weird. Uh, and then also, for music, I've already made this recommendation, but I want to throw it out there again, which is the uh, Black Country New Road album Live at Bush Hall. And I listened to it, I, I got it on vinyl recently, and I listened to it that way. And it's interesting because I know the band technically doesn't view this album as an album. They view it as like a performance and it's weird to have it divided up as an album. But when listening to it on vinyl, everything flows into itself so perfectly well that it just feels like you're listening to one long experience. If you can do, if you liked that album and can listen to it that way, I strongly recommend it. If you can find out how to blend the songs in together, like if you're, I guess Apple Music probably does that, I would also recommend listening to it that way straight through as well. It works so well. It's just this like flawless performance into itself. And I also listened to the Pine Grove, the live Pine Grove album, and I definitely recommend that as well. As Zan was saying last time, it's definitely well worth it and so interesting to hear them play live. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And it's also great with their dads, the Pine Dads come out. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's what I got uh, to recommend. How about you, Zan? What do you got for us? Um. Okay, okay. So uh, as far as music goes, um, I went back to The Positions, which is an old Gang of Youths album uh, from 2015. This is before I got into them. But I guess because I was very much, you know, someone who came in for uh, Go Farther in Lightness. But going, I was listening to the positions while traveling. And 
it really is a spectacular album. Mm. And I feel like because they got really big after this, I feel like they don't get to do as much of this, uh, as much of these songs now, you know, since their, their more popular stuff came later. Right. Uh, but I do recommend uh, listening to it because it's really it's really interesting hearing like, you know, them get to do more ambient stuff, a, mm. a lot of a lot of interesting sounds and a lot of interesting uh, directions that they could have gone potentially. And I, I, I still, you know, think it's a great band, but it's it's a really, really wonderful album with a lot of really good songs. That's what. The one song that they do, I think, still work into their live shows is uh, Magnolia mm, uh, off of that okay. album, which which is a, a great song in itself. But it, hearing how it actually sits in the album was really wonderful. Um, I guess the other thing, uh, let's see, what else? have I'm still reading um, The House of the Spirits, uh, and it is also great, and hopefully I'll be finishing it soon, uh, but... No, still uh, recommending that. I have actually finally gotten to see some new movies. Uh, I saw The Whale while on the flight. Um, maybe we'll have to have a longer conversation oh, about that. I haven't that. seen that yet. It's, I understand, uh, mm, Brendan Fraser definitely like deserves all, all the accolades and everything. I know there's some controversy about the movie and stuff. I think I'm more interested in how it is trying to adapt a script clearly meant for a play into a oh, movie hmm. which can feel a little odd at times um but i i would recommend seeing it i i'm i'm a little i don't know the the very end of it i was i'm still unsure of and still processing but um, I do think if uh, if you're up for it and uh, uh, it is I, I do think it is uh, worth seeing just to, you know, get to see Brendan Fraser, you know, like really act, mm. uh, you know, I, I think if anyone, you know, has has earned a redemption arc in Hollywood, you know, it's him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As far as something that has uh, like, I think haunted me a little bit more it's uh gray gardens which i finally mm. saw and um have you you've seen parts of gray gardens i've seen parts of it i've never watched i don't think i've watched the whole thing full through yeah but have you have you seen parts of the uh documentary now spoof of yeah. Grey gardens yes i have <laughs> yes um it is scary how spot on bill haters impression is because i had only seen the documentary now spoof and actually watching gray gardens it is it's oh, like wow. there's no huh. there's no uh murder plot the way there is right the, uh, you know but it is frightening in a lot of other ways and honestly like i feel like that's something that i feel like i could talk forever about about this this movie but huh. um to, to summarize it briefly there are these relatives of Jackie Onassis. Uh, th th this is a, it's a very, um, it's, it's a documentary. It, it, and I, I think you could use that 
kind of loosely. Yeah, it's, it's cinema verite, yeah. Yes, it is. It's these two brothers, these two filmmakers go out to Long Island to this uh, estate called Grey Gardens. Um, and these two, like, kind of uh, blue blood ladies that are relatives of Jackie Onassis are living there, and they've kind of just been forgotten by the world by by time by everything it's in the 70s and they're you know they're living in another decade they've been you know you just realize while watching it because they're these two like very like you know the these people from this what is supposed to be this very high class society that are just living in this disgusting deteriorating house um you know just totally at odds but codependent on each other uh, a mother and daughter mm. and you realize that even with all of the the opportunity and wealth that they were born into and lived with because of how women were educated and and taught to act they're uh just they're just incapable of functioning mm. and their 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 mental illnesses are just feeding into each other just unable to have a grasp on reality there's this very frightening scene of them critiquing each other's singing but also yelling at each other and arguing but they just won't stop singing it's weird so huh. weird yeah um but yeah i recommend that and the documentary now <laughs> spoof okay. of it word it, it's um there is i i would love to have a whole conversation about like is it exploitive yeah exploitative I, or not we'll have to talk about it. i need to watch it straight through i wrote a lot of like i, I wrote a paper on part of that because of like a just mm -hmm. documentary and art too and cinema verite is very interesting because it's a little it's a fascinating concept and it works to a certain extent but it can be very exploitative and it can be very um yeah i guess it just it just depends on what side of that you fall in so yeah maybe i'll have to watch it full through and we can flesh that out in the museum context i think it could be worth it actually yeah well like it's one of those things that there are definitely things that you probably wouldn't do now without some critique. Yeah, I don't uh, think you could. Yeah. But you watch it and you're like, I am so glad this was preserved mm. because, you know, I don't think people I don't think people realize like how badly an entire like like I, I don't think I don't think uh, it, it just it, it adds such an interesting uh, end to that that particular era of aristocracy in yeah. the United States. Like here here are these two uh, ladies in the 70s. Their world is long gone. They're they're wandering around this house in these like expensive outfits and but just everything is rotting around them right and but they're remembering a time when they were the center of attention mm. uh and they're it, it's it's an interesting document it's i'm very glad it exists yeah uh and and that it and that it was preserved and that someone you know paid attention 
to them. Right. Um, but yeah, no, that uh, that that was a little long winded, but it's it's <laughs> definitely been on my mind. Weird, uh, OK, great. Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, we should also uh, move on to things that are going on yeah. outside of the museum. What's going on with you, Joe? Um, well, actually, I do have a release date. I can finally say my album Ooh. entitled Out There is going to be releasing on June 23rd. I believe that's a Friday. So you Ooh, can look out yes. for that on Apple Music, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to your music. It should be everywhere. I uh, would love if you check that out. I would be really appreciative of it. I also am in a group exhibition in Munich, Germany, entitled Teleportal Munich Calling. That's July 1st to the 28th. There's going to be a lot of, um, you know, since it's a pop-up show, it's probably hard for a lot of people to get to in Munich, but there's going to be a lot of visual documentation and a video that I edited up on the Teleportal Instagram and website uh, throughout the duration of that. So definitely check in over there at teleportal.gallery on Instagram. Um, but that's pretty much it at the moment. How about you, Zan? Right on. Um, well, I've got my show at the Folk House uh, Collective in uh, Kingston, New York, September 2nd. Um, also have another big announcement that we probably can talk about next uh, next time you hear us uh, here at the museum. Um, but yeah, that is all I have to say for sure. Oh, of course, um, first week of August at the Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina. I've got my workshop, Shape and Shadow. Go check it out. Um, and uh, maybe sign up for the class if you are in the area and able to come. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, yes. All right. Um, also, uh, we want to thank everyone uh, yes. that's uh, been supporting us and, uh, you know, uh, listening to us ramble about this and that here at the Uncanny County Museum. If you have uh, any uh, questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, we would love to hear from you uh, at uh, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us, reach out to the museum after hours at uncannycountymuseum at um on instagram uh and uh yeah no we are just uh uh you know thrilled as always to be uh doing tours here yes yes absolutely mm -hmm. thank you all so much for listening and supporting us really appreciate it mm -hmm. and also i guess i should make post announcement too that i did i promoted my instagram last time and it got hacked and it was a nightmare but i did get it back so i do have control of just you know art again Joe, it is Joe me um, Joe but, is back, and he has so much crypto now. No, so no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I hate crypto. I want to make it clear here that I hate cryptocurrency. And if I invested <laughs> in it, it's not me. It's either a clone or it's a hacker. Um, but yes, if you did get a message from me or saw some weird things on my profile, I apologize. It was... It was. But I have control mm -hmm. over it now, so it is okay. But I just wanted to make mm -hmm. that clear that it is me again. <laughs> <laughs> yes welcome back welcome thank back, you Joe. thank you mm -hmm. um but yeah yes. great um and that non-hacked as far as non-hacked instagrams go you can find me at xanasaurus on instagram and you can find me again at josemino art on instagram and from the uncanny county museum i've been zan peters and i've been josemino live laugh like <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's great. <crazy. laughs>